Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Oh, I wish I... Pretend I'm opening a can of Mike's Hard. Hello and welcome to the Bechtel cast <laughs> retro version. My name's a Jamie Loftus. I haven't drank Mike's during a Bechtel cast episode in literally a year and a so half. So long. It's been a while, but I had two cold brews this morning, and so I'm just, I'm like a young Judy Garland. I'm just upping and downing all <laughs> damn day, and I'm going to die before I'm 50. I think that that all tracks. That works for me. How are you, Caitlin? <laughs> I mean, I don't want you to die ever. Thank so you. please stay alive. I think that the world, I forget forever. what that article said. I think the world's going to die when I'm like 47. The world will die before we do, yes. Yeah, so that's great. Anyway, hi, I'm, Kate, I'm Caitlin Durante. This is the Bechtel cast. This is our podcast about women in movies. Mm-hmm. And we use the Bechtel test mm-hmm. to initiate a larger conversation. I think most of the things we just said passed. You did say Mike's Hard Lemonade, so Mike. Mm. We don't know how Mike... I, identifies that's true i don't i don't i honestly don't even know if mike is a person or an idea wow makes you think yeah it's 2019 caitlin that's right yeah and also how does the world how does the planet earth identify genderless icon (sighs) true that's what i say (laughs) anyway so the pectoral test requires that uh, a movie for example has two named female identifying characters who must speak to each other about something other than a man. And our version is just a two-line exchange. That's all that needs to happen. Yes. And, uh, you let's, know, some movies do it and some movies don't. Let's let's try it. Okay. Okay, here we go. Here's a Bechtel test. test. Mm. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Jamie. You know what I love when it happens in a movie? Tell me. When New York is not just a place, but a character. <gasps> I... How does New York identify? Oh my god, as a fucking asshole. I don't know. <laughs> They're I just love when New York is that's my favorite piece of 
film criticism when they're like, the location is actually also a character, um, which, uh, you know, I, I love that. I think it's just a gorgeous, very thoughtful, it's original. Definitely. Way to describe something. And it's, it's what's crazy about this is that New York City, because it's a character, is my best friend. Wow. Yeah, I, I love, love them. It. Well, that passed. We did it. Yeah. We did it. doesn't have to be a good exchange. That's <laughs> always the lesson. Um, I'm so psyched for today's episode. It's been a, a request we've gotten quite a few times. Oh, has it? Okay, um, good. Yes, we have gotten this request quite a few times, and I'm so thrilled to uh, have our guest on today. Oh, my goodness. One of my BFFs, honestly. Yes, indeed. Yes. What a delight she is. Uh, she's an art critic. She's a comedian. She's got a book coming out called Aesthetical, Aesthetical Relations. Relations. It's Christina Catherine Martinez. Hello. Can I talk now? You, you may, may speak. <laughs> you may remove. We have gagged you. Uh, I'm so excited. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, and today we are talking about the, I guess it's kind of hard to tell when this movie came out. I, I, people say between 2012 and 2013. It was 2012. Okay. <laughs> it was released, uh, you know what? Case closed. <laughs> We're talking about Francis Ha. Yeah. Today. The way I think most people met Gertie Gerwig. Mm-hmm. You know, ever heard of her? It does Gigi. have a, it is confusing. It does have a lot of early aughts vibes to mm-hmm. it from yes. having come out in 2012. And I think this movie, to me, I like this movie came out while I was in college. So, and this is people in college bait mm-hmm. um, because it's, it comes out in 2012, but honey, it's in black and white. Yeah. So you're like, so you, so I go into this movie and I'm ready to think real hard. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's a black and white 2012 movie um, directed by Noah Baumbach and written by him and Greta Gerwig, yeah. who I think by the time this movie comes out are an item which they are to this day. Good for them. Yeah. He left. Who did he leave for Jennifer Greta Gerwig? Jason Lee. Really? Yeah. Did she have his baby? No, that was Tom Brady left his pregnant Oh God, Bridget Moynihan. I think oh, she was for pregnant with Giselle. His... Yeah. Oh my well, goodness. I mean, he's this a is... Trump supporter, so we don't. <sighs> we simply can't with Tom Brady. <laughs> Difficult. <laughs> Difficult. Yeah. I wish it made me mad. The whole like, oh, of course he left his wife for a younger lady, but I'm like, I'm, they work really well together. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, I mean, two very cool women. That he's been in a at least a public relationship. Oh, that Noah has. Okay, that Noah. Sure no, we're not Tom. Still, let's just promise to never talk about Tom Brady again. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, no, but I, I don't know. Noah Baumbach. You know, think what you want about him. He's dated some cool ladies. Sure. But yeah, this is. I feel like. Um, I, does this movie qualify as mumblecore? I feel like it's adjacent to it, but not. I, there's more plot to it than mumblecore, and I that's suppose, not saying that. Although much, there's but. not all that much. I would call this, oh, you know what we haven't said in a while? This is really a tone poem. Oh. That was, that goes all the way back to our Josh Fadum episode. (laughs) Yes, it really is a tone poem. I would call it. And there is a lot of horny depth to it, I would say. And it's an actor's film. It is an actor's film. Wow. It's mumble adjacent. I haven't, Mm -hmm. because Greta Gerwig's character is pretty charming and quirky, Mm, but I have seen a clip of her acting in an actual mumblecore movie. And she's literally in a bathtub with goggles, you know, <sighs> spouting to her friend, like, why, you know, can we connect? It's Mumblecore is starting five sentences and not finishing any of them. Sure. Right. And this uh, Mumblecore, I mean, I had quite a bit of contempt for that genre. And I feel like everyone has dated 
a douchebag who is too into mumblecore. I'm like my college boyfriend was like, "You haven't seen the puffy chair?" Like the puffy chair, kind of, the puffy chair. <laughs> I guess I don't know what really classifies as mumblecore. It's literally just about like it's like Italian neorealism, but bad. <laughs> it's, it's like it's usually about. People in Brooklyn, usually a white hetero couple in Brooklyn, or brothers, mm-hmm. or like brothers working through their issues together. It's always really long. It's semi-scripted. It's am I? What else is there? I think it's yeah, plotless, semi-scripted, and I think in an effort to come off as naturalized, I think the dialogue tends to be overly awkward. You know, like give yeah. people some credit. People are articulate in real life <laughs> at some points. Right. Um, okay. It's I'm a... looking at a list. I don't recognize a lot of these movies. Oh, Jeff, Who Lives at Home. I've seen that. I've seen Drinking Buddies. These are on this list. Those are, mm-hmm. yeah. And I feel Coffee like chair. Francis Ha and the two movies you just mentioned are on the more scripted side of that genre. Because, mm-hmm. like, early, like, Greta Gerwig got her start in Mumblecore movies. Mm-hmm. And most of her early stuff and most early Mumblecore in general is, I feel, completely unwatchable and annoying. Oh, Before Sunset is on this list. I, I don't think that's... That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't who count. Who made this Wikipedia page? I know. That, before <laughs> before to Sunset, to me, is like the opposite. It's so stylized because their their dialogue is so pithy and, and I love clever. Before Sunrise I hate it, sunset. but <laughs> I still wouldn't call it Mumblecore. Sure. <laughs> but I think Frances Ha, I think, is maybe one of the more polished... If you could even call it of this genre, I wasn't really sure. I don't think so. I think it's her graduation from Mumblecore. She's, you know, collaborating with a. With a I was going to say real filmmaker. That's a horrible <laughs> way to put it. You know, like, because he's a man, a real filmmaker. He's a real filmmaker. Wow. I didn't know that you were an MRA. Yeah, I didn't know. Oh, wow. I'm an enemy to my own sex. I, and I will just maybe say off the bat, I like this movie. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do too. Oh, yeah. yeah so, what's, your, what's your history, your relationship with this movie? I think I saw it in the theater, and I thought it was amazing. Mm. And I was—I'm been subject to a lot of movies with like a manic pixie dream character mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I was ready to like totally hate it, but it, because I think it was a little more subtle than I was expecting, I freaking loved it. Sure. And then I watched it again this week, years later. Maybe liked it slightly less. There was a few cringy moments of like. Here's here's a sincerity egg pie in your face, but <laughs> but I really it's it's charming. It's you know it's a coming of age story, but also I think the main thing, which is why it's fun to talk about on this podcast, is the the romance is between like is a female friendship. Two gals, yeah. yeah. And so I think it a lot even the more stylized moments, like if they had these montages of like playing and eating, and if they had that with a straight white couple it would be so barf horrific <laughs> yeah yeah but there is something uh-huh. kind of sweet that it's just two friends and sure. you don't really see that kind of intimacy too much in films well that's because movies don't like to have women in them no so <laughs> or only in certain ways i i yeah i did like my history with this movie is i saw it, it came out when i was in college and I went to a film school, and everyone was wow, Brad. <laughs> like, I mean, pause. It really. But did you go to really film school twice, though, Jamie? No, I did. I wasn't quite that financially reckless. Mm, yeah, uh, I, I, I was. Yes. I was, uh, and I did go to film school twice. Anyway. It's not movie school. It's 
film school. I actually go a step further and I call it cinema school. Uh, I went to cinema school. I go a step further. I just say it in French. I went to an l'école de cinéma. Wow. Oh my god. It's like, and it sounds like there's less debt involved when you say it that way. Mm-hmm. Point of that being that everyone I knew at this time saw this movie, loved this movie, and I was like, I don't know, I was like kind of an edge lord about it, and I, I remember watching it and being like, it's dumb, she's dumb. Like I didn't, I don't know, I, I, I didn't like it when I first saw it. I think because I had it in my head, I was like, oh, these are mumblecore people. I don't like it very much. Um, even though I like the squid and the whale, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I, I just didn't take it very seriously, and I didn't under, and I genuinely didn't understand most of the characters' motivations. And then I rewatched it this week with friend of the cast, Melissa Lozada Oliva, and we both we both hadn't seen it since college. We're the same age, and this time we're pretty much the same age as the uh, protagonist of the movie and mm-hmm. it made a lot more sense to me this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole vibe of like I feel insecure and like lesser than to my friends. I'm just gonna put a reckless vacation on a credit card because I'm feeling uncomfortable with myself makes a lot more sense to me than it did when I was 19. Sure. Um, and I got more out of it this time. I thought I, I you know it has it has its things and there are like definitely cringy moments but i feel like i get it now all right what's your history Beautiful. With this movie? i saw it probably sometime around um, i think i was in boston still when i watched half of it it's when we were ships in the night. <laughs> it popped up on Netflix at some point, and I think it yes. probably never left. It's been on Netflix for 900 years, yeah. yeah. So I think I maybe saw it in, like, 2013, mm-hmm. watched the first half of it, and it's not that I wasn't enjoying myself, but I wasn't, like, super fully engaged and then got sidetracked and then never felt compelled to finish it. Sure. So I had mm-hmm. only seen half of this movie before prepping for the episode and uh yeah i i guess i wasn't very compelled by it because i've said it before i'll say it again i love a good romp i would not call this movie it's not quite a a romp romp. there's not not like a shaggy dog story but just sort of like a shaggy teacup poodle (laughs) also i paid it's on netflix because i paid to watch this on amazon prime Christina, no. it's been on Netflix for six years. Do you guys have an expense account? Is there like a who do we talk to well, about then, getting well, that? Venmo, you three ninety. It's three ninety nine. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Um, no, actually, that's unacceptable. <laughs> I think that, that people would be like, "Wow, this is the first time anyone's rented this movie in five years." Can it, I like, just... it like kicked up some server in <laughs> Iowa that like this hasn't asleep. made a move in years. <laughs> Can I give you a tip and all of our listeners a tip? Mm-hmm. There is an app called Just Watch. Oh, I don't um, know about this. Okay. You, this is not an ad, by the way. This is not an ad. We are not sponsored by Just Watch. No. But if We're you, sponsored by Smart Food Popcorn. <laughs> yes. Honey. If you download this app called Just Watch and type in the name of any movie or TV show or anything like that, mm-hmm. it will tell you what platforms it is streaming for free on. It'll tell you oh, wow. where you can rent it and it tells you where you can buy it that's amazing i feel like imdb should be doing that yeah right Mm -hmm. there's a few movies you can watch for free on imdb you can watch paddington one on imdb for free yeah i think they're gonna become the new amazon they're gonna start 
something's i mean let's see capitalism is all around us and there so if you can get anything for free do it do now it. yeah touch um, id to install yes <laughs> take my fingerprint lord bezos I think everyone, yes, everyone pause and yes please take my identity <laughs> anyway. identify me lord bezos <laughs> So, um, yeah, should I just, should we go into the recap? Yeah. And go from there? Yeah, Which yeah. is difficult because there's kind of no plot. I was there's, trying to figure this mm, out. You're not wrong. There <laughs> also, oh, the one thing I was surprised at that I totally forgot about from my first watch of this movie is Adam Driver Fedora. It is weird now oh, to yeah. watch early Adam Driver knowing he is now an animatronic at Disney World mm-hmm. and be like, a mere six or seven years ago, he was Fedora guy in a Noah Baumbach movie. Mm-hmm. A man we were introduced to coming on Lena Dunham is now an animatronic. <laughs> Truly a marvel. You well, know what? Also, did you notice that the other roommate is the husband, the crappy husband from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? No. Oh, I haven't oh, watched that haven't show watched, yet. Yeah. Okay, well, I just outed myself as a watcher <laughs> of that show. How Thank you, you Lord Bezos. <laughs> Uh, Christina is sponsored by Jeff Bezos. She's mm-hmm. actually a bot <laughs> that he made. Incredible. Alexa is actually based on Christina. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's just my brain. It's just there's a little I mean, Alexa in there. Talk about the ultimate manic pixie dream girl, Alexa. Oh, <laughs> my I fucking mean, girl. Yeah. There was a movie about Alexa validate me artistically. There. <laughs> uh, yeah, what happens in the movie, okay. Caitlin? Because not really anything. I'll do my best. So, Francis is a young woman living in New York City. Ever heard of it? And her roommate and best friend is Sophie. Shout out to our super producer, Sophie, who shares yes. the same name. Who's played by Mickey Sumner, who mm-hmm. I was not familiar with. And Francis is, of course, uh, Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerberg. who co-wrote the movie. Francis's boyfriend, Dan, asks her to move in with him, but she would rather continue living with Sophie and just do everything with Sophie, really. So th- this causes her and Dan to break up. In a very in a scene that I watched twice, because I was like, are they really? Are they break? What? <laughs> Where he was such, he was just like, well, then maybe... We shouldn't be together anymore. I was like, geez, all right. Fine. He's also talking about wanting to get cats, like yes. two cats for the both of them Expensive to have together. Cats, to be fair. Right. But it's that's a like very rescue. real point in a relationship that maybe mm-hmm. like as a young 19 year old, you could not relate to. Yes. But like, you know, especially when you're your late 20s, I think this character's 27, which is maybe still mm-hmm. too early for this talk. It's kind of like, yeah, well, if we're not going to move in together, then what's the point of keeping going? Yeah, as someone who splits custody with a dog, I've had that breakup. You know that, like, well, we're not going to get married, so why are we here? Why are we? How much longer will this happen? If we're not going to share cats together, then what's Mm -hmm. the fucking point? Yeah, the cats are are a metaphor. Cats do have eight nipples. This is cat facts with Caitlin. She didn't seem too broken up about the breakup, though. No, it seems like it was. That was like one of the interesting scenes that I that I enjoyed. Of like, it was like a weird. Like, whose idea was it to break up? They sort of just mutually were like, well... I like that. Uh, I liked well, that, she, yeah. She's kind of like... He's, he says this isn't working, meaning the discussion of them talking about moving in together. And she interprets that as like, our relationship isn't working. And then he's like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to break up then, if that's how you feel about it. And then she thinks about it for a second. She's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And then later, <laughs> Sophie is like, when, you know, like Greta Gerwig's character 
Francis. I'm gonna keep calling her Greta Gerwig. Mm. Greta Gerwig <laughs> is like, well, like I only broke up with Dan because I thought we were gonna keep living together. And Sophie kind of immediately is like, that's not the only reason though. And Greta's like, no, I guess not. <laughs> right. So but she it, wanted to break up with him. It's a good. I want to get into this later, but yeah. Francis's codependent behaviors will just oh, they are. <laughs> and that's the first scene where we see her apologize a hundred times, which is a type of visibility. I feel like this is one of the good, like, mumblecore elements is she apologizes, like, seven times for no reason in that scene, mm. which you don't get to see female characters do a lot, even though that's something that, like, we're hardwired to do. do. yeah. For passing the Bechdel test, she does say, I feel bad all the time in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is, like, I mean, there's different, like... I feel like there's a big pressure on female characters to set an example, and it's kind of like nice and refreshing to see a character who's just kind of reflecting a certain type of woman at, at a moment in time. And sure. I like to, I mean, the constant apologizing can relate. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so she and Dan have broken up, and then one day, Frances and Sophie are on the train together, I think, and Sophie is like, I want to move in with my friend Lisa in this great apartment that we found in Tribeca. Hey, Francis, are you okay with that? And Francis is clearly not okay with that. But she's like, yeah, I'm okay with that. And then, so this is the beginning of their friendship crumbling. So now that... For now. For now. So now that Francis is single, she goes on a date with this guy, Lev. That's Adam Driver's character. This doesn't go anywhere romantically, but she does move in with him and his friend Benji just like sleeping on their couch. Who is and Benji is Benji the is husband. Joel from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Right. Got it. I'm know. sure a lot of our listeners will know. We just haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cute as a button. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> She's moved in with them. She has not seen that much of Sophie recently. And then Sophie finally does come over to Francis's new place, but she's, like, all judgy. She doesn't stay very long. She's got this boyfriend, Patch, that she, like, hangs out with a lot now. And Francis is having some money struggles. She's in this dance company because she does ballet. Or she's an understudy, I guess, in the dance company. And she's thinking that they'll be able to use her in this Christmas show, and that will make her, that will earn her more money, but they're not able to use her after all. Mm-hmm. So she's proud of herself for asking. That's another <laughs> moment of hers that I really liked. Yeah. So she doesn't have this money that she thought was coming in. And then she and Sophie get in this big fight. And Sophie seems to be withdrawing from their friendship more and more. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the roommate Benji keeps calling Francis totally undateable. Which is like one of the eye-rolling elements of yeah, this movie. That was yeah. I, that, yeah, it stuck out as like a little... Yeah, yeah, we can we can have that. We can yeah, talk about that. That was like one of the few. I was like, this didn't age well. This isn't as cute as they thought it was. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then Frances can't afford to stay with Lev and Benji anymore, so she goes to stay with her friend Rachel from the dance company, mm-hmm. who clearly does not seem to really like Frances. Who's a Kazan, I believe, oh, or okay. a Kazan? A Kazan. Sorry, I'm not. French. So is this what we say in the art world? Goes on, goes on. Sorry, Christina is our representative from the art world, <laughs> and so if we if we're fucking it up, let us know. <laughs> let us know. We're we just fucking... put the emphasis on a different syllable. Oh, we're okay. pedestrian <laughs> heathens. <laughs> I'm sorry, you meant a pedestrian, pedestrian heathen. Pedestrian, <laughs> pedestrian. <laughs> the hoi polloi. <laughs> 
So she is hanging out with Rachel and Rachel's friends, and she finds out from these people that Sophie and her boyfriend Patch are moving to Japan in a few weeks. And Sophie hasn't told this directly to Francis, so she's like, oh, no. Some of these problems are so Brooklyn that you're just like, sure. <laughs> My boyfriend and I are moving to Japan in a few weeks. I'm sorry, Francis. <laughs> so you're just like, sure. I do take this movie as, like, Brooklyn gospel. Maybe that's totally misguided, but... I'm like, oh, I feel like that happens all the time that you would go on a date with someone. If it doesn't work out, you can just become roommates. You just move right. in with them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so. So then Frances decides to spontaneously go to Paris. And it's basically a wasted trip because she, like, sleeps the whole time accidentally and doesn't do anything. That's the part where Melissa and I started crying. <laughs> this is actually the – we could – I think this is the best part of the movie. This is when it's actually kind of subverting its own romanticism and sure. like showing yeah. how locked up this character is. Yeah, yeah. let's I've... let's talk about that. Let's put a pin in that. Um, and then, <gasps> oh well, sorry, she's... oh sorry, really quick. Uh, I meant Rachel. I, I confused my Kazans mm. and my Gummers. Mm. Uh, Grace Gummer plays Rachel, aka. Meryl Streep's daughter. What is a Gummer? Oh, uh, a Meryl Streep's daughter is what it is. Oh, okay. Um, um, sorry, uh, Meryl Streep or Meryl, Meryl Street? Street? Welcome and take a left onto Meryl Street. Big Little Lies season two might be over uh, by the time this episode We call her Meryl Street. <laughs> hey, France. <laughs> okay, so she's in Paris and then... Very French. Sophie calls her to finally tell her that she's moving to Japan. Their conversation is very tense and then she gets back to the U.S. She has a meeting with a dance company owner, and she thinks she's going to be made a part of the touring company, but instead she is offered an office job, which right. she turns down immediately. Also a devastating, I don't know, that scene was also like... Oh. Devastating, but I also like that because she was like, no, I don't want that job. I yes. know what I want, and I'm going to immediately say no. She turns it down, yeah. But that was a tough scene to watch her, like, process what was happening. Yeah. Because yeah. she she had, like, already started telling people. She's like, I'm going to be touring soon. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. she's like, God. As someone who has jumped the gun in that even, before. Even then, it was even sadder because her saying touring company was playing down her own expectations. Like, oh, I'm definitely going to join the company, but I'll probably the, just, just the touring. Tour, right. Company. And then she doesn't right. even get that. Uh, Poor Frances. Yeah. I think Greta Gerwig's really good in this movie, the mm. way she, like, yeah. yeah. Anyways. So then we cut to... Frances having moved to Poughkeepsie to be an RA at the college where she went to school. <laughs> um, and she it's works... It's supposed to be Vassar, I think. Is it? That's what I saw. Okay. In, that's what the Wikipedia said. Got it. Okay. All colleges east of the Mississippi kind of blend together for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's it's very like uh, neolib femme. You're like, oh, this is a female-friendly space. It's She, it's, she returns to Vassar, her alma mater. Is that how you say it? Oma, Mater. Oma, Well, we have fun. Um, <laughs> so she's at this school in Poughkeepsie, aka Vassar. She is working various events around campus to make money. And at one of them, Sophie and Patch are in attendance. Patch. And like Francis is lurking around until she overhears Sophie say that she and Patch are engaged. And she's like, What? You're engaged? Right, because she's she's a cater she's lurking around because she's a caterer mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to be exposed right. as working as a caterer. Mm-hmm. But then like record scratch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, 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 what? That really is how that yeah. scene plays she does, out. She actually does a triple take with a neon sunglasses. <laughs> And just the sunglasses are in color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like Schindler's List in that way. <laughs> 
Go on. Yes. <laughs> so she and Sophie get to talking at this event. Sophie is drunk. She and Patch are not getting along. And then later that night, Sophie shows up to Francis's dorm room and they kind of rekindle their friendship a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then Sophie says that uh, she wants to leave Tokyo. She wants to leave Patch. She wants to move back to New York. So Brooklyn. Yes. So sex in the city. I think I'm going to leave <laughs> you Patch. You are New York. I think I'm going to leave Patch because I just figured out New York is a character in the movie. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, can't, I want to leave Patch, but I don't want to leave my friend character New York. It's I couldn't not- help but wonder... Was New York my boyfriend? <laughs> that sounds like a Carrie Bradshaw yeah. voiceover. That's exactly what I was trying to okay, do. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, and then sometime later, Frances has moved back to New York City. She is choreographing dances. She puts on a show. All of her friends are there, including Sophie and Patch, who have gotten married. Her old roommates, Lev and Benji, are there. Her, The dance company instructor, owner, person is there. And then that's when I stopped writing down my version of the recap. And then I don't know if anything happens after that. Well, so there, if, if there's any blanks to fill in, The, the only thing that I also thought was a little... I thought it was a really lovely ending in terms of, you know, it was because it's a movie about, like, an artist finding themselves, but mm-hmm. also within the limits of her own artistic capacity which yeah. is like her coming to grips with that she's not she's not going to be the great dancer that she wants to be but she's actually has a voice as a choreographer and it's yeah this adjacent thing which feels like a compromise and it's why she resists it but then you know there's something then the end is the only time you actually see you know a piece of her work sure so it right. kind of celebrates that and i think that's, that's sweet. nice and then the i guess where the she the the storyline about her and her friendship with sophie ends is that they like are ta- i think they're on the subway again and they're talking about like oh what if we got apartments like really close to each other she lives al- but they but they live alone they it's, live alone yeah it seems like i i thought the ending was was Lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There yeah. is what it, what I remember, there's a little bit of a shoehorning of a romantic element in that her and Benji connect again. And he's like, I'm single. And she's like, Oh, me too. And he's like, I guess we're undateable. And then it's Ugh. implied that they're going to get together. But the ending, ending is a moment that Francis refers to during the dinner party, you know, half an hour earlier about, you know, what she wants out of a relationship. And she's like, talks about, this was a little cringy and hard to watch, but it's, true and it made me very uncomfortable to watch it mm-hmm. she's like you know talking about like you know when that feeling like when you're at a party and like you and your person are both being charming and amazing and then you just catch each other's oh, eye you look and, you, up and, yeah. and you share a moment and it's just you and your person having your own little world blah 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 yeah and it's cute callback because she has that moment with sophie and that's the end of the movie okay got it yeah awesome it's yeah i i liked i mean in retro, I like. I feel like this movie. I don't know. I'm like even seven years <laughs> later. I wonder if like the Benji of it all would have gotten the attention that it does at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it stays pretty well within the bounds of like the friendship is where the emphasis is, which sure. feels like where it belongs. Yeah, and we can talk more about that right after this break. Right after the break. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. 
big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Okay, so a few things right at the jump. Mm. I mean, this also takes place in an all-white New York City. Oh, yes. Like many movies. Like New York is, clearly. uh, If cinema is not the true reflection of reality. (laughs) He's like, hold on a second. Um, which is, I think, like, one of the more glaring, like, things about it. This movie, like, there are class elements addressed in it that I thought were were kind of cool. And uh, where it's, I feel like this movie brings up something that not a lot of movies or really people do, which is, like, kind of, like, what the difference between being broke and being poor is. And this movie calls that out pretty directly, mm-hmm. where, like, Francis Ha is broke but not poor sure per se where like she's a struggling artist but we see you know in sacramento aka greta gerwig canon um <laughs> she has a loving family who it we think that you know and they're like oh we're sorry we can't help you out more mm-hmm. but like worst case she's got a support system yeah worst case she could move home and right. i think that that's like a cool thing to see reflected yeah. also the fact that she's she's the most broke of her friend group but the fact that i mean it even speaks to her i guess like talent or drive that I'm like wait a minute you're a full-time dancer right. you know with no day job in new york city and mm-hmm. you have a roof over your head yeah. that's amazing it's a miracle yeah and benji who's maybe only his true function is to call her out on that she talks about being poor and he's like you are not poor. He's like, there are right. poor people in New York and you are not one of them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like that scene, it was like kind of a relief to see that addressed. Because it's like, I don't know, I've been the brokest of 
my, but there's there's a difference. Yes. There's definitely a difference of having no alternative. Yeah. And like what we're seeing in her with her is like she's definitely struggling, but it's more of an ex. Like it's worst case, she could pony up and take the office job. You know, like exactly. So, I yeah. also see. Yeah, the I'm ambivalent about. The people who sort of refuse to get day jobs because, like, oh, the, I'm an artist and this is, I mean, there's something that I want to say is admirable about that, but it's also a privilege just oh, to oh, be. Oh, yeah. Y- like, you can only do I that. I simply if can't you, if, do anything else. It's, <laughs> right. People who, and we know plenty of them here in, you know, LA, Los for example. A barista, what on earth is that? <laughs> but I mean, Darling, the I people couldn't. who are able to do that come from a place of privilege yeah and people who have a support network can actually deal with a lot more scarcity day to day just knowing that it's there it's a psychological thing yeah Yeah. like having having the option of I mean like I've like always been kind of scant but like worst case I could go back to Brockton Massachusetts and live in my pappy's house you know Mm -hmm. like that sort of thing which is like a sort of privilege that is not checked in movies very often definitely Mm -mm. pappy's shack uh, literally in Pappy's Crumbling Home. Uh, but right. It's a Pappy's. Shack. Anyone who's ever been to my Pappy's Crumbling Home. <laughs> Pappy's Chateau. <laughs> ja- Jamie's safe space. Every, every time I go home, my father gently takes out his teeth and says, it's always an option. Um, to which... remove your, to have no teeth? <laughs> no, to move back into his crumbling shack. All that to say, it is an option and I am fortunate to have it. Certainly. And it is kind of like, I felt checked in that way too. And I was like, yes, like that is not something that is called mm-hmm. out on very often. Sure. Which is good. This is, I think, pretty standard for this genre but so many movies that you know take place in new york and are are about artists or otherwise feature people who appear to be so abundantly wealthy that you're just confused about how how do you afford this apartment and Mm -hmm. so yeah the fact that it's even her you know struggling financial situation is called attention to and the through line of the it. plot is just, yeah, her, her real estate struggles. Because I think the plot is separated yeah. by the different locations that she has right. to live. Yeah. And it's like, address, next act. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. There, the, the money aspects of this movie I thought were like more realistic than most things you would see. Because that one of the scenes that like hit for me, I think when I first saw it, uh, even more so than now, was her having to remind her wealthier roommates, like that she because, needs to pay, <laughs> yeah, that she's paying less and that they agreed to that. Because I, I think that was maybe the only thing I related with with this movie the first time around was like she. It's implied that Adam Driver and the guy from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel are like two kind of trust fund babies mm-hmm. who don't have much to worry about. And they're artists too, so they're peers, but they're not really class wise because she's from kind of like a. Uh, middle class family yeah, yeah. who support her but can't support her right. and so she has to remind them from the couch uh, <laughs> that she's only paying nine fifty, and that they said that that was okay right and then it's like this awkward interaction and the guy that... was like oh yeah I forgot okay so I'm like wow who has like an extra $300 a month I just know. be like yeah. it's chill <laughs> right uh, which I I, uh, God, I mean Adam Driver I, I like him I, I'll, I like him uh, I find, okay. I find, Are you trying to convince yourself still? <laughs> no, I I don't want to like him. I want because his career 
trajectory is fucking baffling. He was and, in the army. Ugh, I know. <laughs> he puts on operas for the army. Adam Driver's so, like, I'm like, is he, like, a testament to male mediocrity? And if so, why do I like him? Like, he... <laughs> It's just weird, but whatever. I like it, and I think he's a good. He does a good job in this movie. I think he might. I think he's on track to be our our nation's next Keanu. Oh, interesting. Yeah, where it's like, well, I think he's like Keanu in that. And I'm like, I don't know if he's good, but I never hate to see him. Yeah, there's he's so compelling, and for being sort of a big star, there's actually something still kind of enigmatic. He's about an Oscar him. nominated as like that. I'm just like, we've gone too far. <laughs> Maybe he shouldn't have been nominated for an Oscar. What was he nominated he for? He was nominated for Black Klansman. I didn't know. Right. He, wait, Adam Driver? Yeah. Yes. I didn't even know he was in Black Klansman. Yeah, okay. He's, he sure is. You hate to see it, but he is. <laughs> uh, he, There's a moment, I think it's at the end of the date, the one date that uh, mm-hmm. Lev, Adam Driver's character, and Francis go on. He basically tries to give her not a surprise kiss, but it's like a surprise touch on her shoulder. And she just goes, ee! And then like tightens up. Ah. And she, <laughs> Which is like one of the many moments in this movie where you're like, that was a little too manic pixie dream girl on the execution, but I appreciate but I, what you were doing. It was exaggerated, but I have, you know, pulled that move. Sure. And I'm not yeah. trying to say that like the artistic merit of this movie is completely predicated on me relating to it, but I have... <laughs> Listen, okay, like I'm a cancer survivor, but like nothing really prepares you for being diagnosed as quirky. And (laughs) I think that's something that every woman in this room has struggled with. Yes, you know, we're all recovering. It's difficult. We're all recovering adorkables. (laughs) We're all all recovering not like the other girls. It's funny because I felt like that was a good, yeah, it was maybe exaggerated, but I thought that was a really real moment in that I feel like most encounters, if they're not, if they are consensual, but you're not on the same page, they're not very articulate, where it's like, may I touch you here? And then it's like, yes, it's usually someone having to sense through body language that this is not okay. And sometimes that can like erupt in awkward ways. Well, what we always see, I don't even mind her reaction. Um, And I would like to get into the kind of like, you know, manic pixie discussion of this. But uh, what I enjoy is that we see so much in movies a you know surprise kiss or a surprise touch mm. which is framed as being this like wonderfully romantic moment that happens even though only one party is privy to what's about to happen and yeah. no one has given consent but and it's, it's made like to look like a gesture and not a yeah right not a like you know borderline uh, sexual assault kind of thing yeah so i like that she gives like a eh, reaction because, you know, she didn't consent and, well, and she reacts appropriately. I think that, that whole scene with their date, though, I enjoyed in general because I like he is a master at being at as acting like a Brooklyn douchebag mm-hmm. and is playing that part masterfully in in this scene and it like made me laugh at a lot of different points because he's playing this douchebag that she's like kind of visibly not impressed by right where there's that whole thing where he you know he's showing her stuff on his phone it's so cringy he's like yeah this is me i went to a basketball game once you like basketball right <laughs> and she's like oh, i went to a game once and he's like yeah anyways motorcycle yeah anyways this is me and jay leno which and i love like, and then she goes back to his apartment i love the way the the way the male characters are kind of flattened but 
they're like kids like showing her their toys. Like when they go back to the apartment, Benji's always showing her like, look at these things I got. Look at my old camera. It's so oh, right. <laughs> It's showing like traditional flirting tactics that I think in a different movie would be made out to seem like really cute or cool. And it like makes them look kind of pathetic mm-hmm. in this context. Like, and it's kind of nice to see like a Brooklyn trust fund boy look pathetic because they very often are. <laughs> Uh, or like when she she insists on paying for dinner for their date. Um, <laughs> yes. And it is very funny because it's like that's another way that her brokenness comes into play because her card gets rejected. She has to like go pay a $3 fee at an ATM, which is a triggering experience mm-hmm. we've all had. But then he like is also a dick about that in a way where he's like – you know I'm not going to sleep with you, right? And she's like, what? And he's like, oh, I'm just pretending to be a liberated woman. Right. And, and, just, and she's like, like, yeah, you are. And she's like, ha ha, okay. Like, I, I don't know. The way what that was, date scene played yeah. out, I thought was like, at least, I mean, and I guess that's kind of the point of movies like this. Like, in a movie where the female character is there to set an example for other women, she would be like, you're full of shit. But in a movie that I think that it's reflecting an awkward situation that has happened to a lot of people, she's kind of just like, whatever, like, and trying to get through it, which is cool to see, too. It is. In terms of, I mean, movies, I mean, even not having a style is a style. So it's like you have to, like, pick and choose when your character is going to have the, like, the articulate breakthrough. And that's like that wasn't the moment for it Mm because it's not about her relationship with men. It's about her relationship with her friends. So that's why her big articulate moment is at this dinner party talking about a hypothetical relationship and it turns out it's with her BFF. Right. Yeah, can we talk more about that? Yeah, let's talk about it. Oh, oh. In conclusion, Adam Driver is Milady the character. (laughs) (laughs) Monsieur, good good job, my man. Anyway. (laughs) Has a motorcycle. I I think... Yeah, they have kind of a weird... I I just wrote down Francis's codependent behavior... It's definitely contrasted, obviously, in the first two scenes where she's like, I can't move in with you because I have to stay with my friend. Oh, to And that whole just, yeah, yes, yeah. just the apologizing and the, I feel bad, I feel bad, I feel guilty. It's so, but her friend, and I know she's sort of maybe the Sophie character, I feel like is flattened to be a little more, like, not as artsy or weird. Mm-hmm. But she's definitely right. more self-possessed in that, you know, she has her own thing that she wants to do and is, like, checking in with Francis, but is like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I want to move out because right. I've oh, my dream of living in this neighborhood, which is maybe longer than I've known you, is, like, <laughs> important. So I'm checking in, but I'm telling you this is what I want. Mm-hmm. And that's a, something that I didn't understand about the movie mm-hmm. when I first saw it that I understand now of just, like, I guess just, like, this friendship, as adorable as it is in the opening, but it's, like, they're 27 years old. They need boundaries, and that's something that I think that Sophie recognizes first. Yep. And so it's weird, because I think when I first watched this movie, you sort of view her as, like, oh, why is she hurting Frances's feelings? This sucks. But then it's just, like, no, she just, like... It's not that she's breaking off the friendship. Yeah. She just needs to change the boundaries of it. And that right. like makes sense for what we see in that the opening sequence. Yeah. The first you just see her, she's the unsympathetic, non-artsy character. And there's a really yeah. low moment. I thought it was actually kind of mean where Frances is like, oh, Sophie's not smart. She doesn't even read. And I was like, oh, so mean. Right. Also, she's at work, Frances. A big, a big thing is like, because the, the character, like Patch, like Sophie's kind of crappy boyfriend that's mm-hmm. sort of in the background. The fact that Sophie's character just continues to stay with him. And it's not so flattened that it's like, he's horrible. It's just that Francis doesn't like him. And 
probably implied that he doesn't like him just because she takes up her time. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Which I also didn't recognize on first watch. The whole just that she recognizes what Frances doesn't like about her boyfriend and is just like, okay, noted. Like, I'm staying with this person. And there's a cute moment kind of where she's just finally like, I do like you. He's like, Mm -hmm. I like you too. (laughs) And it's like that complicated, like, Frances is not totally wrong about Patch, but she's saying it for the wrong reasons. She's Mm -hmm. expressing it for the wrong reasons. And that does play out where, like, Sophie and Patch don't end up together. Sophie ends up, like, a lot of, like, everyone's had a friend's significant other that you're not crazy about. don't Sophie and Patch, they do end up together, didn't they? They get married, yeah. Oh, wait. She says she's going to leave him. But then she doesn't. But then we cut to later, and they're like, yeah, we got married. Which is funny because it makes me feel like, that sort of behavior is something maybe like that comes up with Sophie just when they're together, mm-hmm. that they like to have this, they do their like little New York fantasy thing when they're together. And then when they're apart, right. she's like, well, maybe I should just like be with this dude. Yeah. I thought it was like super cool to see not like a Mary Sue female friendship where like, and again, it's, it's just like the kind of movie this is where some movies you want to see a perfectly functioning female friendship, mm-hmm. like in Captain Marvel, that's what you want to see you, yeah. it, because it is a setting example movie. This is uh, more of like a Mumblecore realist thing. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see a friendship between women that is like complicated. There are different points in their head and in their life. And it's just like more of a reflection of and as much as like there are some of the Mary Sue friendships that I really enjoy but in a way I feel like it's a little bit limiting in that it just leads to the idea that all female friendships have to be perfect which of course they're not I mean it's a testament that even like even if your feelings change about the movie like we all I think we all feel a little bit differently from the first time we saw it years ago to now yeah that it's a it's more nuanced. It's not like the really the friendship is horrible or toxic either. It's just it's freaking they're I mean complicated. They're, kind of, they're growing as people at different rates. Like you said, okay. there's like uh, Sophie realizes that maybe they're too codependent. First, she's the first one to realize this, or yeah. that she like they've just sort of entwined each other in their lives a bit too too much. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. They've been character development wise developed enough that you know they've been given these nuances that uh we don't see enough it's it's cool i mean and just like in general of any gender seeing a friendship that is like yeah like not completely black and white toxic but just like these characters growing apart a little bit is something that happens to people all the time that i feel like is really hard to communicate on screen like it's hard to dramatize like the natural you know widening of a friendship or someone who's like feeling a little bit left behind right. or the other person who's feeling a little frustrated and being like why don't you get it like i mean i just this I, will I happen to me time. sometimes just in my personal life where <laughs> i have a friend that i just kind of don't want to be friends with anymore and there's it's no me. it's sorry Jamie i'm so sorry <laughs> to tell you this <laughs> that i don't want to be your friend anymore oh my god she <laughs> told me it was it was you but i mean really you know, people grow apart or their maybe their interests were never that similar to begin with but you end up in a friendship with someone but there's no etiquette for like breaking up with a friend yeah. really that hasn't been established in in the world so. or even like renegotiating the boundaries of a friendship right where... it only takes one person to do that though I mean, however the other person reacts is... That's true. Sure. Have you ever had to do something like that? Yes. I'm really bad I'm doing at it, it with, like, five different people right now. 
Well, what I end up doing is just basically what Sophie does is just to kind of withdraw and like yeah, avoid the person and like just not share as much with them. And then so I, I really feel bad for the people who are on the, the receiving end of this, which in this movie, Francis is. Yeah. Which is like, and that's a sign. How, of, but that's a sign of codependence as well. Is that when someone else, not even saying that the Sophie character is doing it in exactly the perfect or sensitive way, sure. but that codependent people will react to other people's boundaries with offense, and right. you know, will be just reactionary and take everything personally. Right. Um, yeah. And it's like, and it is. It was a little like I've only successfully done this once or twice, but like when you do sort of like. <laughs> say like this is my new boundary like whatever Mm -hmm. and then seeing like you're like I know I'm hurting this other person but you never see it but in Francis Hall you see it and you see her go on the sad vacation and (laughs) you see her be like "Uh," like it's just a lot of this movie truly like watching it with my friend it was like Mm -hmm. tough to watch but then after we stopped watching it and it was over like we were talking about it for a full hour and I was just like I feel so I feel bad after watching that. She's like, I think it's because we understand it. Now. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to make the Sophie character sympathetic when it's like, I don't know, maybe she's the healthy one. I mean, obviously not. No one's perfect. Right. Quick shout out to Mickey Sumner. I don't know what she did after this movie. She's the actress who played Sophie. And she oh, was yeah. so good. She's yeah. really, really good. Yeah. I, I, let me see it. I don't know what she's done me. since, but. I mean, uh, I saw it. She's an indie gal. She's I was, been in a yeah. lot of indie movies. Mm-hmm. It was even weirder. I watched it with my boyfriend, like, in bed. And I don't know why that was... What? <laughs> no. <laughs> and the, especially, there's a part when, she's, when she does her big thing about, like, you know, finding your person. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because... She's very Grey's Anatomy, isn't that Well, that's where what that we refer from? to, like, dogs. Like, you know, when I talk about, like, my dog being too anxious or attached he's like oh well you're just her person and I'm like yeah that's a thing for dogs not for people (laughs) it's true yeah like this is I don't know this was like a a way more effective coming of age story than I remembered it being and especially because it's it's for the second coming of age that people do because most coming of age stories are around like teens like oh I'm in high school yeah yeah, and then which is interesting which she did later with like Lady Bird I think Melissa said at one point she was like, "Oh, so like Lady Bird is like the prequel to Frances Ha, and Lady Bird eventually becomes Frances Ha because we've already seen her family in Sacramento, and she like started to galaxy oh, brain wow. it." Oh wow, there's a um, conspiracy theory. That's mm. yeah. head cannon right there. Yeah. Uh, we got to take another quick break, but then hey, guess what? We'll come right back. Yeah. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Can we talk Francis Undateable really quick? Because yeah. that was like the one part of this movie other than like the, I mean, it kept... it was the fly in my soup of the cinematic experience. <laughs> yes. Like it was, I didn't like the implied potential romance Mm-mm. with what's his name? Benji. Benji. Like Benji. I didn't like that, but it remained in the background enough of the movie that it wasn't like distracting. It certainly didn't ruin it for me. Right. But the whole like them trying to catch Freight, like yeah. so haven't you said this before that like a character as like a living studio note? It yeah. feels like maybe that's like yeah. some, you know, someone at <laughs> pictures was like <laughs> Well, there has to be some kind of, you know, flirtation, hetero love story in there. I want to give Greta Gerwig the credit and say that I don't think that this was her idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, because the focus of the movie, for the most part, remains on Francis and Francis and Sophie's friendship. Right. And, like, Francis sort of having to accept that compromise is a part of life. But with the Benji stuff, yeah, like, it does sort of, he serves. The best part of him, I thought, was him pointing out that she's not as, like, extremely poor as she makes herself out to be. Mm-hmm. That was, like, a cool, valid use of him. But then, like, I didn't like the scenes where they're supposed to be flirting. They're, well, because he's negging her And the they keep time. running totally into negging. each other yeah. in cute right. ways. And they're making it seem and like, well, maybe. Man, but Will but they, won't they? He's so tiny. But the time, the time we... <laughs> The time we see them together, you're, he's, he is totally negging her. And then there's that weird scene where they're talking and he's in their – oh, God. And it's like – I I mean, I feel like a lot of people have had an experience like this that is just very uncomfortable where the guy's like, you know, everyone says we should date. And then you're <sighs> like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, but I was like, no, she's just cool. And, like, that whole scene – I mean, it made We're me – bros, right? That scene made me cringe because it's like – you know, I've, I've had that experience. Yeah. But then – but then the fact that they still kind of present him as romantically viable after you find out he's that kind of like weird guy just didn't feel great. Right. I just didn't like and that. And the fact that he's constantly negging her as what I think the movie frames as a flirtation technique for him. He's like, oh, well. well. Yeah, just by implying that he's still on the table. I feel like that makes you know, it funny. Like, yeah, okay, let's, let's try to reframe this as 
artistic merit. So <laughs> wouldn't isn't isn't it so like true to life though that like, you know, even though she finds her voice artistically, which in and of itself is a compromise of what she saw as her artistic. She still path. might end up with right. a loser. She still might end up with like, eh, just some guy. Right. Just some like neggy, tiny little man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Who like kind of, you know, teases her and probably the more successful she gets as a choreographer, he's going to like, it's going to be a little weirder and more resentful. Yeah. Where I decided I was <laughs> done with that character officially was when he was like, you should leave your door open. Like when that part when he at the end of the scene mm. where he's been nagging her the whole time, he's like, "We should date," but no, we shouldn't. Like that whole fucking look. God, I mean, truly, coming from uh, I, I have here's my deepest shame. I have dated a Brooklyn trust fund boy. Uh, oh, his wow. father used to be the president of something called um, Enron. No. <laughs> No, it was like called the Patriotic Millionaires. It was really bad. Whoa. It was some of it was a very troubling seven weeks of my life. Mm. Anyways, like most trust fund boys in Brooklyn, he very abruptly married a graphic designer. Okay, <laughs> you just you go to the Is store. Is that triggering for anyone? You go to the wing. I... You, they put them all in the window. Uh-huh. You go to the wing. All the graphic designers are just kind of lined up in a window like puppies. They have a little uh, cut up newspaper for them to play around in. Sure. And he's you like, pass by and you're like, that one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there she is. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, wish him the best, whatever. But like that, that like whole, that whole vibe being presented as like, maybe this will work out. I'm just like, no, this shouldn't even for like a realist movie. Please. Let's just like, let's, let's spare Francis Ha the potential What's of funny, this douchebag. I felt a little bit the opposite in that moment that after he was a dick, the one, even though it was didn't come off quite right, the one nice thing he said was like, I'll leave it open in case you need anything. And I was like, oh, okay. See, I hated that. She said <laughs> she said closed, and then he convinced her to leave it open. Like he was, she, because he was like, open her, <laughs> open her close. And she's like, ah, oh, probably close. And he's like, well, but what if you, uh, what if you need me? Right. And, right. and, and then she, like, and then she's oh, like, yeah. okay, open. Like, like, okay, that I was just your, like, oh, you fucking Brooklyn boys, shredded, I hate you. Shredded newspaper to play around in. I was done with him as <laughs> soon as he said, yeah, my buddy at SNL is going to get me a job. Oh my God. <laughs> so upset. Yeah. We all have a buddy at SNL. <laughs> Literally, everyone in this room has a buddy at SNL. And we're now I've got two. Yeah. You've got Brag. two. <laughs> and like, Guess what? Guess what, not motherfucker? Happening. They're not getting you a job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that at least that was yeah. That sort of posturing, you're just like, yep, that man exists. It was such a good character portrait, though, where it's just yeah. like, here is me floating through life. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Or if uh, that doesn't happen, then you know this other thing that I'm doing. So is many happen. different takes on the Brooklyn douchebag. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. This movie does a really good job at showcasing yeah. mostly unlikable people. Because, well, maybe this is uh, the time to get into, like, Francis as a manic pixie dream girl type. But she is a soft, right? A more realistic, less exaggerated version of this trope. Because I actually, I, I mean, she has those tendencies, but I feel like I know people basically just like her so it didn't feel like she was like this caricature yeah what sucks is i agree it suffers because i think it did a pretty good job of just creating a sort of slightly eccentric character but that is living under this looming shadow of this broad shitty archetype that we've lived with for so long Uh i did i did do a bit of homework i wrote something down please please which i think this is like some weird noah bumbach i don't know whose idea it is like sort of Easter egg as to like this is this is the key to the movie sort of <laughs> mm-hmm. please and then the go op- off Queen okay the opening montage where it's sort of like the friendship montage yeah 
they're kind of, you know, hanging out, they're playing in the park, they're talking. And I think this is on purpose. There's a lot of moments where it just shows them talking, but the dialogue is um, unintelligible. Right. And then there's one moment where they're sitting on the couch and Frances like looks up from her book. She goes, oh, this is interesting. Listen to this. And this is the quote she reads from the book that she's reading, mm. which I don't know if it was made up for the movie or it's actually from something. But she says, to praise a work of literature by calling it sincere is now at best a way of saying that although it may be given no aesthetic or intellectual admiration, and then it like cuts off into the next shot. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, oh, it's a weird thing to bring up with a lot of qualifiers about like, although or that sincerity is now an excuse for basically, I think it's saying that like to say that sincerity is a compliment is to just sort of, um, you know, avoid the question of like intellectual or aesthetic merit. Mm -hmm. So to say something, <laughs> say something has artistic merit by dint of just being sincere is basically to just say it's not good any other way. Right. It's right. like with if you're describing a person who is like very boring, you say, Oh, but they're really nice. They're really down to earth. Like, yeah. But she also like it also cuts off the quote. It's implied that there's a whole other clause to that sentence yeah. where this author, who may or be real or someone they invented for this shot, like right. is going to explain or finish that thought. Or <laughs> I'm just like ah, these guys, they're uh, they're tricky. I mean, yeah. I wonder if that's in response to like maybe one of Noah Baumbach's previous movies having been called sincere and he's mm -hmm. like well here's what i think about well, that there's, there, i don't know i've got to i've got to rewatch squid and the whale i, I, I really hated that movie i saw it when i was like 15 i feel like that might be why i liked it i don't know yeah. I remember that someone masturbates in a library in that movie, and that's legitimately yeah. all I remember. Just, and then oh. it's about divorce. You're like, I'm 15, that's yeah. the coolest thing ever. I'm like, they <laughs> masturbated on screen, and it's about divorce. I masturbate. Sign me up. My parents are divorced. <laughs> I'm not good for me. Uh, I had the IFC channel, not to brag. Wow, uh, a lot of bragging in this that is, wow, episode that's in general. As, so as hell. <laughs> Subscribe to IFC. Listen, honestly... Canonically, if you had the IFC channel when you were in middle school, high school, you will end up dating a Brooklyn douchebag someday. Well, it's unfortunately one of the sad yeah. facts of life. <laughs> I wash my hands of them. Yes. Um, Moving right along. I, I think that Frances, another thing that I picked up on a second watch was that I feel like she's kind of, in some ways, she's kind of supposed to be annoying. Like there's, right, yes. yeah. there's that whole dinner scene that... At the time, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is like Manic Pixie Dream Girl, boring, dumb. But if she were a true Manic Pixie Dream Girl, people would be very charmed and really like her. Yes. Or they that. would be like, or they would be painted as like broad, like asshole so that you sympathize with the character. But you're, this, you're like on the side of the people who have to yeah, endure whatever weird, they're just being like annoying. Stuff. Yeah, they're yeah. like nice people trying not to let this girl like ruined the dinner party <laughs> and then there's another scene where i think it's rachel her dance friend who she stays with she's like i guess trying to find That's a new funny. best friend because <laughs> sophie is effectively God, another thing that happens yeah right. and God. then so she's like okay you're my new best friend rachel let's play fight and rachel's like oh what God. and then yeah, she keeps like kind of trying to push her and do this like play fight thing that she and sophie used to do that we saw but like rachel is not into it at all she's just like Dude, what the hell? Because she like pushes her out of frame and stuff. You know, it's so yeah. awkward. And it's like, oh, you're just hitting a woman. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. And she doesn't you are, speak. You are striking another grown adult. And like <laughs> Rachel's being like, I don't want to do this. Please stop. And then she's just like very annoyingly continuing to do it. So yeah. It's that's... just like, Francis, go to Al-Anon. Come on. <laughs> They're... 
yeah. It's, uh, it's... Go to Uniqlo, at least. I don't know. <laughs> Quit wearing yeah. leggings under dresses. <laughs> if you're not going to go to Al-Anon and recover from codependency, at least Forget, go to Uniqlo. I'll just say it. Go to Lalabo. There, I don't, okay, what is be, that? Become what is, an adult. Yeah, I don't know what that is. You don't know the uh, the cult of Lalabo? No. It's just like Christina shows me everything. She brought <laughs> she brought me to Muji for the first time. Oh, I don't know what that is either. All it's I fun. know is that like if you're a woman and you live in Brooklyn and you have any money whatsoever, actually even if you don't have money, you like <laughs> supposed to wear scent from Lalabo. It's just like fancy perfume. Oh. Specifically, if you walk through like Bushwick. Or Ridgewood, you just, just, you're just gonna get this general vibe. But the air is just thick with the waft of a of a something that you can't quite put your finger on, and it's it's Santal 33. Oh, oh. there's trends in perfume. <laughs> yeah, huh. I, okay. I, and it only means so much coming from pack, mm. a flock of women who live in Los Angeles. But I am very glad I don't live there. Uh, <laughs> hey, I read the cut. There. <laughs> Listen, I read the cut until it ran out of five free articles, then I hard Hey-o, stop. You are not um, getting five dollars a month. No, ma'am. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that it is like what I first interpreted to be a manic pixie dream girl, I think is actually more interesting, which is a woman who seems to be like kind of aping manic pixie dream girls and it being annoying yeah, to see in the real world, thing. which is kind of cool. Yeah, because I, I feel like a lot of young women, I mean, and I can't speak to right now, but it's like. I definitely had friends in like high school and college who were going for that, that it did not, you know, they saw like Garden State and they're like, oh, what if I'm like that? They're like, what if I just made no sense? And like (laughs) you just and you see you see people have to course correct and have to like kind of like Frances does. She has to grow up. Yeah, I think that's a it's a big part of like anyone's artistic awakening is realizing that you can't just act like an artist or be eccentric mm-hmm. as a way of you know like masking your right <laughs> the can we talk about the you have to earn it okay and of course there's like of the i feel like a lot of tropes are commented on in this movie in a way that i think is like really cool and interesting like it seems like in retrospect the i feel like the manic pixie dream girl trope is pretty heavily commented on in yeah. this movie in a way that i thought was generally pretty effective mm-hmm. uh one of the things that i just I'm just exhausted by, and it's, it will be done forever. Is just like New York is a character, and I. <laughs> it was my understanding, based on some bare bones research, that the scene there was like really the only scene I remembered from this movie was Greta Gerwig dancing in the crosswalk to Modern Love, which mm-hmm. I guess is paying. Uh, homage to a different movie. Every time I go into a crosswalk in New York, I end up punching a car. There. <laughs> That's not what happens hey, to me. Why don't we see that? Uh, but yeah, so so the whole like I feel like the whole new, this movie would have been cool to see like New York, the whole New York as a character trope like commented on more thoroughly, but it didn't really. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, there's I mean, no. New, other new York is one character in movies all the time. We were talking about the like. Because uh, I was watching this with my boyfriend, and we were trying to think of, like, is there an L.A. equivalent to this movie? Just, like, a low-key... I mean, there's so many movies set in and about L.A. with, like, L.A. as a character, but they're they're fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, the best ones that are about L.A., like Mulholland Drive and Repo Man, I'm like, yeah, they got it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but where's the one that's just, like... It, maybe it would be too bad. Like, yeah, white kids lolling around talking I mean, about their dreams. I feel like... And, 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 like, not in a way that's making fun of people who want to be actors. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is a good example, but, like, Ingrid Goes West? Is that sort of... I, uh, it, I think it, I, I think, I think the, the, the commentary was a little ham-fisted. Mm-hmm. Cause it, but 
I thought, yeah. yeah. I feel like there's a few. Visually, movies. they got the lifestyle pretty good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's, well, Christina, is there not a documentary? Oh, there's a, well, it's, there's a really good uh, three-hour video essay Mm -hmm. by this filmmaker, Tom Anderson, called Los Angeles Plays Itself. And it's a really beautiful commentary about how Los Angeles is depicted in movies, kind of writ large. L.A. is a character, but also L.A. disguised as other cities, which is a big part of, of making movies here. But yeah. it's amazing because the whole movie, it's three hours, and it's completely cut from other movies with uh, Tom Anderson just sort of narrating and analyzing over it. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And yeah. we, don't need, we don't need that movie about New York, so. No. <laughs> and then I feel like it's made itself over and over. We'll, we'll, we'll tweet out a link to that. Yeah. That sounds, yeah, I'm, I'm excited Isn't to it just that. like Philip, that's the equivalent would be like a Philip Roth novel. I don't sure. know. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of cities that play themselves in movies constantly ad nauseum, Greta Gerwig goes to Paris in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's really New York and Paris are the cities that do it to the point where you're like, I just never need to see this again in my right. entire life. Or at least the kind that is presented. But I feel like in this movie, Paris as a character is commented on. Where this was one of the oh, parts. Oh, yeah. Like, this, yeah, we were talking about, like, this was a scene that I, I think I was... I don't really remember, but I I didn't un- I definitely didn't understand the point of her going to Paris by herself and being miserable. And I think right. my first read of it when I was much younger was like, oh, like what a whiner! She's in Paris, like this is so cool. And then I like the way that it's framed in the movie now, though, where it's clear that she can't afford to be doing this. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a knee jerk reaction to her feeling insecure about her place in life she's just going into debt kind of for no reason to seem like she's doing better than she is well it seems like I I thought that it was even smart and that like she's going because she's seen too many movies where people find themselves in Paris sure right and And she does this immediately after she hears from someone else that Sophie is moving abroad to to Tokyo right so she's like well I I can go somewhere else too is what it feels like she's doing and the lesson is wherever you go you're that's, still there. You're still <laughs> fucking depressed, then, my friend. So she sleeps through almost the entire time that she's there because she like stays up all night because she's like probably has like whatever she's on a different time zone. She stays up way too late, doesn't do anything. She's just like hanging out in the apartment, and then she sleeps till like four p.m. the next day and like has wasted pretty much the whole day. And then she's calling her friend who's there, can't get a hold of her. So like essentially does nothing Gets with her time. Gets a hold of her at the last minute. I, when she's late. already on her ba- way back to New York. It's like, like it's. I it, think the yeah. worst part, and I think this speaks to her codependent behavior, the only reason why her trip is so short, because she's blowing all her money on the plane ticket. She has a free place to stay. Yeah. Yes. Is she's like, I have to go now, but I have to be back Monday at 3 p.m. to have this important meeting with my boss. Uh, and she can't even, doesn't even have the wherewithal to reschedule it ahead of time and even right. when she gets there her boss is like I almost cancelled it this morning because right. like I had gas or whatever <laughs> the, yeah god I that that I've done that I've rushed back from somewhere to be disappointed and dismissed like it just or just to be at a thing that you felt was more important than the other person yes. did that like it could have been changed oh it's so embarrassing and like wait you flew back from Paris to be at this meeting <laughs> it all has to do with the fact that her character has not fully grown up, even Mm-mm. though she's 27. She's still 
rather immature. She's not very self-aware. She needs to have a second coming of age, as, you know, many people are in their 20s. If she were 22, it would be adorable. (laughs) Right, right. But maybe. Because she's a handful of years older, it starts to look, I don't know, I mean, but that was what I really, like, something I really liked about the movie was, like, I mean, having to learn how to hedge your expectations. We we talk that, and I mean, we talk about this here and there, but representation of female mediocrity, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we will she... not achieve equality until, <laughs> until we see mediocre women can also are as that. interesting as mediocre men. Exactly, right? totally. Which yeah. is like <laughs> most of these Brooklyn movies, mm-hmm. as mediocre men feeling bad for themselves. So I'm gonna start the greatest denim company in New York. <laughs> Is Wait that a movie? Second. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yes, there is. There was one called Making It in America, and it was about two. It was a show. I think okay. It, I think it was on HBO about two guys trying to start a, a denim company. Oh, right. I feel sick. That's a it. gritty, you know, crime-ridden denim company. <laughs> a really groundbreaking. The dis- they do the distressing by just firing AK-47s at it. <laughs> um Oh, and it, but it, yeah. it, like, how crazy would it be to pitch a show about like a woman trying to start an Etsy store in Brooklyn? I mean, I'm but have so... it not be a joke. Right. This is a very serious. Like, have you seen the show Girl Boss? <laughs> That's what that oh, is. Oh well, it was bad. It was canceled after it was like horrible. one season. <laughs> but it was like that was. I mean, that movie was that. Not I mean, movie, the, that show was dog shit. But it was it was female media. I, yeah, but, but it was dog shit just because everyone did a bad job on it. The yeah. idea mm-hmm. itself is not. Horrible. No. Right. <laughs> like I, I liked seeing and I feel like again it's it's like representing women in movies should not be this hard, but it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where I feel like we have sort of had in recent years an influx of hashtag inspirational Mary Sue type characters who we need to see succeed at the end of the movie because that is the first step of representation is seeing someone in the most perfect light possible right. to justify their existence at all. Yeah. Right. So and then and then we like, can trickle we can... down to more nuanced representations. Right. Mm-hmm. And and in this way it's like it does still feel like it's like, well, we can only see it when it's like a pretty like Western beauty standards, middle class white lady. Right. But you still see like a more nuanced female character than you normally would. You are allowed to see her fail and like struggle with that and need to like it's cool. I don't mm-hmm. know. I do like I, I think about this a lot. And I'm like the wider, wider question is like. And I think it just gets to the heart of, like, the idea of the individual in a Western social manager is that, like, mm, why do I have to see myself reflected in media? <laughs> yeah, this and really, that is, yeah. But that is so deep. I don't think we'll ever get to the point where we can actually interrogate that because it is important. But And now we're at the point where you kind of have to just cherry pick it one at a time, like... Okay, Frances Ha, okay, we're going to have a character that's like kind of doesn't succeed and this is about compromise, but she has to be like blonde and cute. It's like yeah. if she's maybe a person of color, well then well we got to like up it here, you know what I mean? And sure. it feels like I don't know if we're obviously we're not there. No, Because not even yet. when it happens, it feels like a balancing act of like I have to check these boxes and uncheck these to make this cultural product palatable and marketable i mean we kind of talked about that on the Mm. the book smart episode where they like they clearly had like a quote woke list where it's like all right we want to talk about these things as it as it pertains to you know women and feminism and and things like that but then they like erased women of color from the whole movie so it's like you've 
you know, it's and that's the question of like ethics versus artistic merits. It's like, okay, well, if you're gonna make, there's a reason why we make fun of after school specials because they're morality plays. Like they yeah. are moral statements disguised as entertainment, mm-hmm. and there's a fine line between creating like equitable representation versus like, well, I'm just checking the like the morality boxes at yeah. the expense of right. you know. But maybe that's bullshit, too, because if, if the whole history of the medium is predicated on exclusion, then the question of good or bad does become moral as well. You sound like such a scholar. I, She's, I, wrote, the, I, wrote, this, I wrote this down. I was She's having a, a text. I, I think this is true. I was having a text conversation <laughs> with my boyfriend. And we were arguing about, like, craft and ethics. Your boyfriend, get out. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, sorry. No boys allowed. <laughs> sorry. My hetero life partner. <laughs> supplied to me by Lord Bezos. <laughs> No, what were you saying? I was just getting so mad. I mean, and he I don't know how this started, but we were he was like trying to buy a rug from Afghanistan, then we got into this whole argument about ethics in art and I just tried to like end it by saying like the ethics of art is just a mobius strip of necessary and good on one side and then the immoral on the other side and history just kind of paints them both different colors until they bump into each other. <laughs> and he was like, "Dude, I saw the Avengers with you. We both know that's how Robert Downey Jr. invents time travel." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these things are, um, it's, it's also, yeah, historically determined. So who knows, like, 20 years from now, this movie or Booksmart are going to seem, like, so pat and cloying. Well, that's, right. I yeah. mean, when we're still doing the podcast In 20, 20 years, years from now. You know, hollowed over when, a garbage can when, fire. When, right. The, the like, but her emails. Knee deep in water. <laughs> We're gonna be Storing the water. Put yeah. my sugar crystals are actually just parts of the barrier reef, okay. and they melt in my coffee. We'll have a little generator and a floaty. And <laughs> if you're wearing floaties. it's gonna be Isaac on a bicycle. That's how we run the generator. <laughs> and that's our feminism at this point. That uh, <laughs> men are electricity now. <laughs> there, it's. I I think it's interesting that uh, you describing like almost as a scale. Kind of. Uh, more of like, well, if this is true, then this needs to, because it does seem like f- female representation in general, like it is like, if if these things are flawed, then these things need to be, yeah. quote unquote, not flawed. And like, I mean, could you make a movie like Frances Ha with a non-white character at this time? I don't know that that would have experienced success in the same way that this movie did or that it would have been accepted mm-hmm. in the same way this movie did. And that's worth discussing. And I think that that is like something that is still present in as much as I like enjoyed it and I thought it was a fun romp of a movie like Booksmart to me felt like to an extent like kind of a checklisty kind of movie mm-hmm. yeah and the good thing about that means that at least hitting some points like that is now marketable and is now like something that people uh will give you money to make if if you're right. a very famous white lady already <laughs> yes uh but you know it's like at least the idea of movies that feature women that are flawed to an extent as marketable is really cool and indicates progress and I don't know. I feel like this movie, like uh, Francis Ha, is almost like a little bit of an outlier. I mean, it, it also helps that it was really cheap to make. It's a three million dollar budget. Oh yes, oh yeah. Movie, so yeah. super super cheap. I'll no Venmo. One in this movie. I'll Venmo it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no one in this movie was really famous yet. Mm-hmm. I feel like Noah Baumbach is most likely the reason that this got made because he had had a few successes already. Yeah, and it was like I think this is her first movie that she co-wrote. That's let me assuming a lot. She pro- I th- did she write any of these mumblecore? Also, I will say she's a very good actress because I think 
I, this movie, I just felt like, oh my God, she's just being sort of awkwardly herself. But then I saw um, 20th Century Women. I'm like, oh, Greta Gerwig, she's a real actress because she plays much more, also a weird artist, but more articulate kind of together. I'm like, oh, a character that I don't conflate with Greta Gerwig. So yeah. I don't know if she's her first, written. Her first credited writing thing is like, because she made a bunch of Joe Swanberg movies. So uh, for those Joe who Whatberg? aren't. Joe Swanberg was like Mr. Mumblecore. <laughs> he lived in Chicago. He made that shitty Netflix show Easy. Sorry if you liked it. I thought it was shitty, but whatever. Uh, he, he made a bunch of these early Mumblecore movies. So mm-hmm. her first credited uh, writing credit was on a 2007 movie called Hannah Takes the Stairs. Haven't seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. But that was canon first... mumblecore, and then she directed her first movie. She directed a mumblecore movie in '08 that she wrote as well. But this is, I mean, oh, was Lady Bird not her first direct? I thought that was her directorial debut. But nice. I'm going to go ahead and say I think Noah and Greta greater than the sum of their parts. Hmm. Ooh, I agree. I mean, because well, I like this better than Lady Bird, and I definitely liked it better than anything Noah Bumbach has done. Yeah. I definitely like this. Is my favorite. I mean, I've only, I'm only i pretty sure I've only seen two or three. He made that shitty movie with Ben Stiller, right? Greenberg? Yeah. Is that right? Okay. I mix up Noah Baumbach and Joe Swanberg all the time because I just really don't <laughs> well, care about Well, one makes more money. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And for a man, we got to hand it to them. Uh, Greta Gerwig's uh, directorial debut was a mumblecore flop with Joe Swanberg, but it was made for $15,000. Oh, sure. Um, so, you know, like I think Lady Bird was her like – her, her big one. Her, it's yeah. It's credited Studio. as her solo directorial debut. She co-directed okay. in 08. Okay, got it. Either way, this this was Greta Gerwig's big break. Uh-huh. I think is like it's viewed as, and I think that that is that is a uh, great and a slight, a very slight tip of the hat to Noah Baumbach for um, really featuring her and giving her the credit she deserved because it seems like. There's if this movie I I would guess if this movie was just written by Noah Baumbach it wouldn't have had the focus on the female friendship it wouldn't have had the focus on her and it wouldn't have reflected her experience as well as it does. Yeah. Um, no, it's funny. I remember when it came out reading an interview with Noah Baumbach, which if I remember correctly, it's funny that they was a magazine piece just about Noah Baumbach for the release of this movie. Of course, <laughs> <clears throat> naturally. Uh, he did say that, yeah, it was kind of – he had to coax her into writing it because at that time in her life, I think she was probably like 27 or maybe in her – maybe a little later, almost mm-hmm. 30. Mm-hmm. And she was sort of venting about these frustrations in her own career. And he was just like, that's fascinating. Write it down. But so um, – which is the like, point. The point is that like you need a man to point out to you what's interesting about you, <laughs> and what's worthy about you artistically in order to put it out into the world. Yeah, and I feel like it's almost a reflection of the. Okay, I'm going to give an example from a friend that who may or may not have been on this podcast previously, but oh. I don't know if she wants me to put her on blast that way. <laughs> but uh, an example of like how I think women very often are are trained to underestimate themselves mm-hmm. uh, for things that men will just be like, oh, of course I can do this. Yes. And how at times having a male ally to tell you, you know, no, you are ready to do this is important. And I think like that oh, is yeah. a cool, like my, but my, my, my dear friend mm-hmm. was 
considering running for office inside of like this social group uh-huh. that she had she'd been a part of for almost two years but then was repeatedly saying like I don't know if I'm ready I don't know if like people take mm-hmm. me seriously enough I don't know if I've proven myself mm-hmm. in this group quite enough and then when they were announcing okay who's going to run for this position three guys who had been there less than a month were like I think I'm ready and so then that was what yeah. convinced her of like no I've fucking been ready for this all these people who just got here think that they're ready and yeah. so it, I mean for better or worse that's a real thing and that's important like yeah slight props to, to Noah Baumbach for you know saying what deservedly needed to be said because she was ready yeah so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go yeah. out into the street and ask all the dudes if I'm ready <laughs> only they will be able to tell you well all that to say <laughs> if you are a man with any power or influence that is in a position to you know encourage put, yeah lift up yeah. produce Put the yeah, like put the spotlight money on to, someone money. who deserves it <laughs> that hasn't had it. Yet. Go down yeah. on without expecting anything in return. Yes, don't always choose the person who is has exactly your experience, or right. nothing will ever happen. Yeah, ding. <laughs> uh, one little just quick thing I wanted to point <laughs> out is yeah. in the beginning when Francis and Sophie are still getting along splendidly. Mm-hmm. Um, They're talking about their futures and the things that they want. And they're like, yeah, we'll do this. And I I think this is when this it's at a point in the movie where uh, they're getting along and they're close. They say, we'll have lovers and no children. And I just appreciate visibility for women who don't want to have kids. As someone, as a woman who does not want to have children, it's always refreshing to see that represented on screen. Yeah. So the end. <laughs> I like it. I like it all. Is there is there anything else that anyone wanted to hit on before we... I've been to Paris. There. <gasps> Christina, how could you have gone this far into this episode okay, without you. announcing So I just it. wanted to say that um, as someone who kind of found herself in Paris at uh-huh, one point, uh-huh, in 2013 uh-huh. actually, a year after this movie no came kidding. out. I mean, it couldn't have happened before. But it, it was the kind of thing where I got off the plane and I remember thinking... Oh my God, like it actually does look, Paris just looks like Paris. It looks like exactly like every postcard and movie and thing you've seen. And there's something deeply sad about that. Mm. And I just, I haven't, I haven't recovered. I have to go back every month. Absolutely. Yes. Well, luckily you have that free place to stay. Yes. And it's like, I, bl- I like to blurt that out at dinner parties. I've been to Paris. <laughs> just, I mean, honestly, yeah, if, if, if we're out and more than two seconds passes, she says it. Any any lull of silence in the car? <laughs> I've been to Paris. I've been to Paris. Um, do you have an iPhone charger I can use? <clears throat> May I just say? <laughs> you can go to casinos and do that. <laughs> I've been to Paris. <laughs> big money, big money, big money. I've been to Paris. I've been, if, if you lose on a slot machine, I've been to Paris. <laughs> Knock the whole thing over. possible. <laughs> May I just say that yes. I've been to Paris. Okay. No, there can only be one. Oh, have, have we learned nothing fine. from female protagonists? Let's fight each other. <laughs> Regretfully, I have. I went been in 2010, so I went there first. Okay, well, clearly, that, yeah, someone who does things the first Classes. time is, is the, is the only time that it matters. So, uh-huh. okay, I concede. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much, thank you so much. Um, who won the podcast today? Is the real question. Um, yeah, I think that was all I had to say about the film. I, so I just, I, I guess, yeah, this was I, one of the few examples in the history of this podcast that I have gone back and rewatched a movie and looked on it fonder than I did when I first watched mm. it. Oh, very quick. I did want to say, I'm, I mean, I had a fabulous time and it was really great discussing the movie. It was pretty low on my list. Yes, for five options. And this was like <laughs> probably fifth. And I was like, really? 
We we already did Josie and the Pussycats. Oh really? I, I yeah. thought I looked at the thing. It's okay. Well, you done fucked. <laughs> you done. <laughs> and we have to end that on was... this shaming our guests. We had to do it. <laughs> simply had to. Save me, Lord Bezos. <laughs> she just got beamed up. She's yeah. Got, See ya. She's on his ship now. I'm glad we reviewed this though, and I yeah. think yeah, I'm glad we did it. To those who requested it, I hope you enjoyed it. But ladies, <laughs> does it pass the Bechtel test? Oh, I don't think. No, yes, no, it, it does. Super does. Um, I think so. Oh, yeah. There's some really quirky grading passes of the Bechtel test, which is a new uh, subsection of the test. Is it a quirky pass? Uh, but there's a lot of. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like, you know, Sophie and Francis are talking. Rachel and Francis are talking. It passes in like the first 10 seconds. Yes. Yeah. And continues she, to do she's so. She's like, I wouldn't eat a dog. And it's like, yeah, you would. <laughs> oh, the last thing I did want to say is I liked representation of a failed attempt at being a guy's gal for a couple of months. Yeah, I sure. have also I have also tried to be a guy's gal for a span of months. It never ends well. And I it was like, Lord Bezos, out. make me <laughs> not like other girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She is, oh, it is nice to see a girl like, I'm not like the other girls, and see it be like, oh, it would actually be really chill if I could hang out with my friend who's a girl again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> much, much better. Mm-hmm. Um, it does pass the Bechdel test. It sure does. And yeah. shall we just... Uh, give it a little rating? Give it a little rating? Sure. How many gotta... star, what's the out of what's so, oh, our we'll nipple scale? Yeah, so Ooh. we've, we've yeah. got a nipple scale. Zero mm-hmm. to five nipples based on its representation and treatment of women. I'd say I'm between like a three and a three and a half on this, where cool. largely the movie is about a female friendship, which, as we've said before, and we'll say again, is not the focus of most movies. So it's because most movies, the focus is either a hetero relationship between a man and a woman, or it is two boys. The boys are there and they're having a friendship. Yeah. So nice to see female friendship celebrated and as we've discussed in a way that is not like a perfect mary sue kind of thing where it's just like oh look how awesome these women are and they're just so they get along so well because that is not representative of real life so we get to see these two different characters grow apart come back together again all this stuff because of their you know individual nuances and issues that they have and are you know trying to grow from and move through and all that stuff so nice to see fairly well-rounded characters and in their friendship and that be the focus of the movie um you know female mediocrity is something that we do appreciate and and not even Frances, I I don't know. I'm like I'm like she's not mediocre. She's just had to accept that she's not good at everything and had to find out what she was good at and sure. accept it. Yes, yeah. that was cool. Mm-hmm. And again, realistic. Yes, yes. So uh, yes. I'm addicted to accepting my limitations. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Very refreshing to yes. see on screen. Yeah, but the but then you know there's some issues in that it's you know. Oh boy, is it a white movie? There's a, they don't have any friends who are people of color, and uh, I don't think that I, that I remember seeing. Not to open a can of worms, but like, is that that's kind of like a moral fear? But is it an artistic failure? Because these kind of people probably don't have friends of color, right? Yeah, I just feel like there's always they're always in a position just to do a it. A little boring too. It's <laughs> just boring. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean right would like a like a Brooklyn trust fund bro have like 
a black friend. I don't know. Maybe not. But why are we making movies about people like that then? I just, any all white <laughs> New York movie, I'm just like, you were in a creative position to make this not the case. Right. Uh, yes. So I, I feel like the most diverse scene we saw was when she's teaching the ballet class. <laughs> yeah. her, her ballet class, the little girls were, it was a very diverse group of uh, <laughs> yeah. little ballerinas. Oh, cute. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'll think I'll settle on a a 3.5 and uh, I'll give one to Greta. I'll give one to the actor who plays Sophie. I'll give one to our super producer, Sophie. Yay. (laughs) And I'll give my final half nipple to the the hairless cat that Mm. maybe (laughs) maybe the boyfriend ended up getting. Maybe not. We don't know. I'm going between three and a half feels right, but I don't. I I'm tempted to go for a four. I don't know. I guess I'll for the for whoever's making the Wikipedia page, you put down three and a half or four. Up to you. Wow, I give you the editorial is, power. That okay. is some is power. That. Because I do agree that I think you know whenever uh, there is a director writer, you are you are in a position to be inclusive and when you make the choice not to that choice should be justified in a way that's more than like well it wouldn't you know like it just kind of like a wincy kind of response to it doesn't really it just seems like it's kind of like uh, I don't know it doesn't work for me but sure. the, but but I I I got this movie wrong the first time and I have grown to really appreciate it. There were parts of this movie that were genuinely difficult for me to watch because I saw elements of myself or my own friends or just, I mean, I think that it is a pretty accurate depiction of a, like, I and and I hesitate to put the word millennial into this podcast at all, but, or out into the world further, but like, <laughs> but someone who has been, you know, grew up being told they could do anything, mm-hmm. uh, then encounter the financial and personal obstacles that make it clear that that is kind of an empty promise <laughs> and navigating their way and finding their place. It is something that is very hashtag relatable sure. um, to a lot of women and also people. I think that this is like that men can also take a, a lot away from this movie and it's not specifically a women's movie, which is really cool. And yeah. I think Greta Gerwig does a great job. It's like mumblecore-ish in a way that isn't like distracting to me and I don't know I think it was like just the right amount of pathetic uh, in a way that made me <laughs> uncomfortable for hours afterwards All right. because everyone is a little bit pathetic and seeing it on screen is not a not a comfortable experience but a poignant one um, so I'll go with a three and a half or a four and uh, you know let let history decide which I chose uh, I'll give I'll give one to Frances Hall, I'll give one to Sophie, I'll give one to the lady that Greta Gerwig works for who's like, I don't even remember my work, after, I don't even remember it's my work after it happens. The uh, uh, baldest woman in charge. The baldest woman in charge. Yeah. Um, and then I'll give half a nipple to the city of New York. Oh or a half a nipple or a full nipple, depending on who. Okay. Christina. All right. Uh, quattro nipples. One nipple for Mickey Sumner. One nipple for Benji's friends at SNL. One nipple. One nipple for taking the whole crew to Paris to film a three-minute scene. Half nipple for saying the name of the movie in the movie all the way at the very end, uh-huh. and you're like, "Why?" Yeah, I get it. Limit. 
Uh, and uh, obligatory <laughs> half nipple tithing to my Lord and Savior, Jeff Bezos. Oh, yes. I love it. Okay. Christina, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank I love you, you so much. Thank you for having me. Where can we I'm find you? I'm clapping for myself. Yes. <laughs> we'll clap, I'll I, clap for did you. Did you? We, we genuinely did clap when Francis Hawk came out. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, yes, it, make, it all makes sense. It's all now. coming together. Oh, it's like when but, they say the Winter Soldier. You're like, whoa. Like, it's you, just crazy. Um, you want to know where you can find me on the... Please. Uh, where are you? <sighs> Follow me on Instagram. Mm. I put everything there. Links to usually... If I write something or I'm doing shows, I put it all there. I'm bad at updating my website, but there's my comedy videos and writing there, which is linked from Instagram anyway. So it's at... We use the at symbol. Xtina mm-hmm. underscore Catherine with a C. Because Christina Catherine doesn't fit in the username box. I see. But that's good stuff. You should follow me there. Please follow. Uh, you can find us on all the all the stuff. We're at Facebook, on the Twitter, on the Instagram, at Bechtelcast. You can find our Patreon, a.k.a. Matreon, patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. $5 a month. We'll get you two extra episodes and access to the full back catalog. What a darn good special. You can also check out our merch store at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. Cast class. Oh my goodness. The Bechtel class. <laughs> Icona Bechtel class. You know? <laughs> Do you see where I was going? I see the Icona class. Yes. Yeah. I think so. Is it a lurch store for there is a la- oh. lady merch? Oh, go on. <laughs> am, I, am I doing it right? Yes, this <laughs> is feminism. <laughs> yeah, thank you for listening as always, and we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye bye. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.